Hello and welcome to the Information Podcast. My name is Tim Nostrand. And I'm Brian Reynolds. CEO and CTO, respectively, of Information Technological Holdings. Today we're talking with Michael Lizaveski, Troy Ozanoff, and David Candrius from Juice, a revolutionary digital advertising agency. Today we're going to talk about the ad space, automating business processes with technology, mad men, and so much more. Stay tuned. Let's just begin by talking about changes that have been happening in the advertising world over the past 10, 20 years that have sort of cemented the current moment for advertising that makes your company possible. Sure. Uh, it's for us, we're, for example, my, my advertising career is pretty short. It's only been a couple years. I mm. uh, started a tech startup, sold it, joined as the first marketing hire, and then eventually left to, to start Juice. But what I've seen, it's or what I've noticed is that it's it's a shift towards transparency. It's a shift towards information, data, and transparency. So the way I understand the advertising landscape over the last twenty years is you went from having um, absolutely no idea what's going on to having some idea of what's going on, and to today, where in certain cases you know exactly who sees it, how they see it, and then how you can reach that person more effectively. Now, when you say transparency, you mean transparency from this from the side of the uh, com- company or the side of the consumer? It, it's really across the board because now consumers, let's say, with this with this latest effort from Facebook as well, they're they're pushing a lot for the consumer to know as well. Mm. But on the on behalf of publishers, on behalf of advertisers, um, across the board, it's everything kind of talks together now. Okay. And then even consumers, they have a little bit of a better idea. But that's a good point. Right. I mean, and of course, you know, I'm not standing here defending the consumer. You know, it's more of a like uh, just kind of defining the word, you know, transparency in some situations means we know every ingredient that's going into this. We know how much data is being used about us. And in some cases, it just means one sided uh, looking glass. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of the old advertising adage, uh, I know half of my money is being wasted. The problem is I just don't know which half. And it feels like we're finally getting to a place where we can start to close that loop. What are some of the ways you guys are taking advantage of that? Um, well, definitely the <clears throat> in more recent days, uh, the attribution is getting much better than it's ever been. As you're saying, like previously, uh, marketing consisted of advertising on television or in billboards, right. and you cross your fingers that that purchase that came in was actually from someone that came across your billboard or these commercials. Whereas now we have full transparency into attribution of uh, someone clicked on this ad. Uh, a few days later, they actually came back and made a purchase. And uh, that uh, that's just something that's never existed before that makes what we do possible. Right. Right. Got it. So you don't, uh, just for the full record here, you don't make billboards? I, I don't personally. <laughs> <laughs> no billboards. Have you looked into it? Any QR codes or them. anything like that? <laughs> we've, been, we've been thinking about how to make billboards more attributable because that's really the final, it's almost like the final uh, thing that has to change. And advertising is, is out of home and this, this like TV out of home mm. kind of closing the loop and getting right. the same amount of data. Data is almost a luxury that you have in the digital space that you just don't have out of home now. Right. Mm-hmm. So out of home is the last kind of bastion where you don't really know what's going on and that 50-50 adage still may hold. Whereas in digital, it's more so maybe 90-10 or 95-5. 
Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you are building those processes to ultimately build something that's more sustainable and more capable of achieving those high enterprise values? It's uh, it's redundancy. It's like how do you how do you remove or abstract away the individual? And it's tough. So the agency business, the premise. I mean, to scale an agency business, you're typically scaling headcount. Sure. Because to scale to scale servicing clients, you typically need to scale the ability to service those clients, which in most cases is headcount. Um, what change, what's different about us is we're looking to build as much technology or as many technology tools as possible that enable us to reduce the amount of scale. For example, typically it's a, it's a kind of like a linear increase where you're looking at like a linear increase in number of people relative to number of clients, and there's some kind of equation there. But the idea is that if we can build technology that complements our people, it can look more of a of like a venture scale business mm. that starts going exponential rather than linear. Mm-hmm. Now it's still early, and we're still figuring out where they actually fit in. Right. But the idea is that if we can enable people and empower people, kind of like the Iron Man suit yeah. for for everybody at the agency or for specific roles, then suddenly it actually becomes a much better business. Mm, I like that. I like saying the Iron Man suit for that. That's nice. Uh, you know, I was th- in my head, and I feel like a lot of people kind of not in the advertising world, when I think about advertising, I think about Don Draper, you know, and, and a bunch of men drinking whiskey. And so I can only imagine, you know, the, the idea of scale. Does that involve creative as well? So creative might be the one part that doesn't necessarily scale technologically. Okay. Um, and that's there's always going to be a human component. And it's, it's never going to be a binary thing where if we imagine the world 10 years from now and we work backwards, uh, yes, there will be a much stronger technological component to advertising, to marketing, to the whole stack. Sure. But creative may be the one part that remains human focused. So you don't think that there will be a way for a robot to advertise to humans? There probably will be, but oh, okay. there will definitely be the inputs of a human that will enable that robot to mm. do so. Okay. So it's Could more be some so repository of creative or something that the robot pulls using some sort I of see. image recognition, um, you know, learning patterns based on things like machine learning and stuff. But at the end of the day, that creative will likely be made by human at first, or there will sure. be some inputs that will yeah. be put in by a human uh, dictating the creative side of it. Right. I mean, I think I've, I saw a product, I think it was by Google, where neural networks were being trained on actually design. Uh-huh. And like they were, you could tell a neural network, like draw me uh, a 30 year old male or something. And they would, it would I don't know, take an index of 10 million images. And then mm. based on those images, just concoct a random person that uh-huh. looks exactly like a human being that's actually computer generated. Wow. So the computers and neural networks are really good at very narrow asks. Like, look, do this one thing. Right. But it gets really hard to do or like, like run me a campaign that talks about why this podcast is so amazing. Convince me to drink a Coke. Exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. That'd be, that act is very scary. The ability to uh, ask a machine to do that. Sell me this pen. <laughs> well, it's a good pen. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's it's definitely a lot more possible than I think people think, right? If you, you know, a lot of times when you look at campaigns, you see factors that are the same across a multiple of sure. successful campaigns. So if you can teach a machine to recognize those patterns and like this is what makes a successful campaign, this is what makes an unsuccessful one, it could eventually become to the point where you say, okay, so take all these traits, implement them on every campaign and, and go from there. Mm-hmm. So where do you guys uh, like to run ads? I, I know that you talk a lot about social, uh, but are there other places that you like to explore? What, what's sort of the, the primary areas? Um, <clears throat> 
So primary, definitely being on the social side for us with uh, Facebook, Instagram. Mm. Um, definitely the primary, as well as uh, Google as well, mm. like across AdWords and YouTube. Uh, as going down the social route as well, uh, people still kind of underestimate the unpopular opinion, but Snapchat still is very cheap advertising that people are not taking advantage of. Um, and uh, for discovery as well, Pinterest is still great. Um, no, you don't really hear about it much anymore, but the advertising platform is still pretty decent. Wow. So do you use, uh, I'm sorry if I missed it, but do you use Google AdWords at all? Do you use Google AdWords? Um, every platform serves a different purpose. Sure. Um, AdWords uh, is definitely more lower funnel if there's uh, already intent to find something. Uh, uh, across Facebook, you're going to have people that are high up in the funnel that are, can be exploratory as well. Um, just keep to get, get them there in passing at the right time or they get, become interesting in your brand. Uh, and then it goes into the demographics, uh, like uh, where Snapchat, like people often dismiss it, but it's still pretty popular among people that are right. sub 20, like 25 years old. Wow. Um, still pretty popular. Pinterest, um, we have a few clients that are in the parenting space, and Pinterest is amazing for that. Got it. And so when a new platform comes out, a new, let's say the next Snapchat, hmm. how do you guys evaluate that? And how do you determine whether or not you're going to be ultimately contributing your client's money to that platform? Um, so it really depends on the platform. Um, there hasn't been too many platforms that came out to close to the scale of Snapchat in the recent in, re in recent. Um, but if anything does launch, we're definitely always open to testing. We do our own projects as well, so we can test on our own dime instead of using our clients mm. to prove success and uh, make sure that these platforms are viable before we risk client dollars, unless mm -hmm. we were specifically asked by a client to use something. So for a test, is that advertising of your own uh, company, or is it... Uh, no, we just put out a product. We'd uh, we'd put together an e-com store, do a little hackathon with the team. Wow. And uh, put something out there and try to see new platforms we can test and sell on. That's well, a really exciting way to This test. is really interesting. Yeah. What what kind of products are you selling on these stores? <laughs> um, I can give you a perfect example. David over here made one, an avocado theme store. What was, it was a good name. I can't remember the name of it. Avocado. Uh, Great name. Avocado. Yeah. Um, so just a bunch of avocado themed stuff. Yeah, so avocado is super popular, of course. Avocado toast, big thing, for, like over the past year, mm -hmm. got even bigger. Yeah, um, prevents uh, millennials from buying homes. Exactly. Little known fact. Exactly. Um, so we test stores like this. Um, it, we have a big range of stores we test. We uh, we try to find uh, things that are kind of uh, trending a bit online. Um, and at the time, avocado was just. I think it was actually in the midst of that article. Uh, that was out saying that avocados are preventing millennials from buying homes. Avocado toast. Uh, yeah, it was like a week after that. Wow. <laughs> so we would uh, we'd use these uh, make Shopify stores to test these new platforms, and uh, see where the sales come from. You know, I have to say, it is, I, I feel like, you know, for the people at home not seeing what's happening, I feel like all three of you are still working. And that's like a really, this is... A, uh, uh, it's getting uh, meta now. How uh, does that... Um, this is terrifying. How does yeah. that, how do you, how do you... Well, you're right. So yeah, was, yeah, no, that's what sure. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Are we are getting... seeing Slack messages go <laughs> fly across the phone here. And I just, I guess, you know... Uh, 
I'm kind of a, a processes guy. I kind of like to spend a lot of time optimizing my Kanban board and this kind of that kind of thing. Talk to me about notifications. When is downtime? Do you ever stop working? I mean, I don't think we, we ever stop, really. So we definitely have good processes. We have boards as well. We sure. plan out, you know, a bunch of activities. Uh, but, you know, especially in the agency business, which is so, number one, customer-centric, right? So right. a lot of communication back and forth. And second of all, when someone else's money is in play, uh, someone that's in charge always has to be around wow. uh, in case something does go wrong, right? So you always have to kind of hedge against that fact that if a campaign was to start spending unsuccessfully or something, someone has to be around to, to turn it off and to control that to make sure that clients really get the best return. Do you do you three work all through the weekend as well? Uh, usually one of us is around 100%. Most of the time, the three, all three of us are around. My goodness. Yeah. Are, you, are you guys doing client work right now? Always. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> For better or worse, the internet never sleeps, so neither do our ads. So we're uh, always uh, always have our ads on, well, so we always uh, have to be on. Yeah, you, you heard it here. Juice works twenty four seven. So running a services business coming from you know the other side of the world, uh, what are some of the challenges? What were some of the things that you didn't expect that this type of business brings? This was a little piece of naivety, but people don't pay their bills. Hmm. especially for services, for whatever reason. Whereas the other side of everything I've done before was either a product or something that was productized. So people would pop in their credit card and then they would just pay and they'd get it. Whereas for services businesses, for some reason, people feel comfortable not paying bills. So that was a very new, I mean, probably for a lot of people listening, it's a very obvious thing. They're like, oh, but that's, that's a, that was a big learning for us in terms of just managing cash flow. Wow. And especially for a bootstrap business when you have a decent amount of headcount, now, there, there are new cash flow challenges that are introduced that potentially aren't directly related to growing the business, but are also essential because cash becomes the lifeline. So have you been stiffed a bunch of times? Is that what you're saying? More than we expected. Wow. Uh, so what's the creative process for, for ads at Juice? Like, what does this look like? It's, uh, it's always working backwards from a goal. It's like it's a nice mix of human psychology, marketing knowledge, advertising experience, uh, experience across running all the budgets that we run, seeing what works, what doesn't, what works with the platform and what doesn't. So, for example, what you'd put in a swipe up, you're not going to put in a Facebook ad. Right. And you're probably not going to put in a Pinterest ad. So everything is platform specific. It's all about it's all talking about the same thing, but it's really identifying what are the core, the core benefits to that consumer. Uh, primarily it's consumers and we work with some small businesses as well or targeting small businesses, small business owners rather. But at the end of the day, they're still consumers. So uh, uh, the creative staff that you might have, are they people who are aware of the technology as well? You know, you were saying that you have, uh, you hire from other entrepreneurs in the tech world <laughs> and whatnot. You know, typically in my understanding of the agency business or the advertising business, You'll have freelance writers and whatnot. Is that still the case here? I mean, we use some contractors. Primarily, everybody's in-house. I mean, our marketers will do our pretty full stack. Okay. So they don't do design necessarily, but they're writing a lot of the copy. Okay. Because a lot of the copy is, I mean, if we think of copy as a spectrum of branding to direct response, um, a lot of the ad copy is more so on the direct response side of things. Okay. Because if we're trying to elicit an, uh, an action or we're trying to get someone to convert, it's usually being very, very clear with the value prop, what's the benefit, how do we reach that person, how do we create value for them. Mm. So that's 
that's going to be more direct response copy. So let's think different and more so uh, the best phone you can own uh, angle that, that can do X, Y, and Z. Ah, I see. I see. So it's you're you're not necessarily saying uh, let's make a piece of art with every ad that we put on Snapchat. No, no. It's it's let's make as many ads as we can, and then let the data inform us. Which is also to your question earlier, how advertising is different today. Ah. Um, it's primarily driven by data and feedback loops, whereas in the past it was kind of that Don Draper esque. You'd have a creative side of things, and they would pitch ideas and. It would just be one person's opinion over a different person's opinion. Mm. And then over time, people had just better track records, so their, their opinions were respected. Right. Uh, whereas today, it's all data. It's all, I mean, I'm the first person to admit, like, I don't know, and usually neither do you, so let's just run it. Sure. And then just, what's cool is that we get a lot of buy-in from clients as well to just let the data drive it. So it's, it's, it's informing all the options, informing all the experiments with the experience, with the knowledge that we have, and letting data actually tell us where where we should take it. Got it. So Mad Men's actually <coughs> come up a couple times here. <laughs> How similar, if at all, is what you guys do to what that show portrays? Almost none. Maybe the whiskey. <laughs> the whiskey. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Just just the whiskey, but not the day drinking. So just at night. Oh, okay. Um, Which is a time that you are working. Occasionally, yeah. I mean, <laughs> taking clients out or something. But awesome. That's about it. Social introduces uh, a new vector by which people can communicate with your ads. You know, traditional advertising, I think the only vector that I can imagine is vandalism. Here, you've got a situation where people uh, want to interact with the brands that they love and the brands that are showing up in their feeds, uh, which introduces new opportunities and new challenges. Can you talk about some of the ways that you guys are managing that? Go for it. Uh, a lot of the, the issues that we've seen have come up around comments. Mm. So comments are, I mean, when we're running ads, unfortunately, a lot of these platforms, uh, they tend to bring out commenters that are that haven't used the product or they haven't interacted with the brand, and comments tend to skew negatively. Whereas it's uh, it's something about the internet where people love leaving nasty comments uh, yeah. uh, about things that they haven't used or are completely irrelevant. Uh, but what they could do is we've seen actually pretty detrimental effects on advertisements. Um, and what I mean by that is is we can have an ad and the funnel is working well and it's converting and everything's going well. And then people just leave a couple of nasty comments that are like, oh, this brand is, is stupid, which is which it actually means nothing. It's nothing about the brand. It's nothing about the product. Sure. But just that element of negativity will actually just tank the ad. Um, and it could take a day or two for somebody to notice and like the brand could burn through $1,000 before they even notice that. Yeah, the <clears throat> comments and interactions on your brand's page can be a wonderful way to to interact with your uh, potential new potential customers, existing companies, lo company uh, customers, loyal fans, um, and that could be a great way to engage with your with with these people. But unfortunately, as Mike says, a lot of times uh, the way the internet goes is if you have nothing nice to say, say as much as you can. <laughs> Uh, so would so we have seen this firsthand where people leave comments when we know they did not purchase an item and saying this is the worst thing I've ever seen or this is terrible, and unfortunately the way Facebook is is when you see a product, 
there's no reviews on this product. It's on Facebook. It's not like Amazon. So your only uh, quote unquote review would be uh, a comment. And you go through these comments and you see these people leave these negative reviews and you just go, you write off the product right away and you say, well, this is crap. They say it's a bad item. It's obviously bad. I'm not going to buy it. Keep browsing. Um, so this is the downside of, uh, of, the, of marketing on social platforms is the, the comments. Uh, there's plenty of upside, but unfortunately, neg- the internet tends to just kind of skew negative. Mm. So I feel like this is a perfect segue into talking about sour grapes. So can you tell us what it is? Sure. Um, so because we've seen this so many times, uh, we decided to make a solution for it, and we called it sour grapes. And sour grapes is a sense of analysis tool that will go through every single comment on your brand's uh, page post or ads. And if it deems a comment as negative, it will hide it. And you will have full access to this within the Sour Grapes dashboard, and you'll be able to address this hidden and, and uh, contained rather than out in the wild for someone else to see it because it can be hours before you see this someone leaving a nasty comment. So it's contained within the dashboard. You can reply to the person, and uh, you can unhide it if you deem it not that negative. Sure. So that's really interesting. I, you know, I feel like, well, so how long has it been out in the market? Before I start talking at all. It's been live for about a month now. Yeah, just about. Yeah, maybe a little bit less. And that's exciting. Have you seen some positive reactions to it? Oh, yeah. We've seen really amazing reactions. I mean, people are super excited because it brings us back to that conversation of, you know, people that work 24-7, right? If you're running ads all the time, you have to sit there and monitor it. Oh, Now this is done automatically right it's always on it's always watching sure and you don't have to worry about that aspect this feels to me like it fits right in line with what you were saying earlier about scaling the company coming up with you know ways that you don't need to hire people for every step of the way here this feels like it's right in line with that Um, does this come uh, with just working with juice like how does that work is this something that you just make available to all your clients so it's it's free for all of our clients. It's also, I mean, any anybody out from the outside world can sign up and use it. The point is to create scalable technologies that all in all improve the advertiser's, let's call it, toolkit. Mm. Um, and if we take a step back, we think about the, the vision for Juice, it's more so how do we create as many automated tools as possible, eventually maybe wrap that into a collection of tools or, or just one big tool in and of itself. It enables you to be more effective at digital advertising. Mm. And we've only been around for less than a year, and there's been a lot going on just growing the agency. And right. like we didn't almost expect the agency to grow so quickly that uh, we thought we'd have actually more bandwidth for tools. Yeah. So we've so far, it's just been sour grapes. We actually have a whole pipeline of tools that we want to release that just improve the advertiser's experience. Sure. Um, and the vision's always, we've always been heavily inspired by something like MailChimp, where MailChimp was originally a design agency. And they were getting a lot of requests for email templates. So the founder is like, oh, why don't I just build an email tool? And then d- that was backed by excellent design. Mm. Um, so for us, in the back of our minds, we're always looking for opportunities yeah. to just make people's lives easier and do it in that way. So what is Juice? You know, you've said you've had it for, you guys have been around for a year uh, and have explosive growth. Can you talk me through this at all? Like, how did we get here? How did we have this? So um, I was at my previous job. It's about been there for I was there for about a year. Okay. And got to the point where I was kind of ready to move on, do my own thing. And uh, Troy seemed like he was at the same spot. And for us, the the clearest next step was a way to monetize our skill sets or expertise. 
So the, the thing that made the most sense was to start a digital marketing agency. Okay. And were you at the same place? Uh, no. I was at uh, BuzzFeed. I was head of customer acquisition over there. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Talk me through, you know, what Juice does differently than other agencies. What kind of, you know, what was the spark at the beginning of your working together? We just, we, we had heard so many times that agencies kind of sucked. Sure. And we didn't understand why. So we decided to fix it. It didn't, it didn't make sense to us because we realized that agencies don't have to suck. Like there, there must be some kind of way to execute on this at scale. And it's a tough business with tough margins, but um, there's definitely a way to do it to have a, a certain caliber and standard for results, to have a caliber and standard for communication and to do that at scale and then to drive good results. So for us, we were kind of, it just seemed like a clear opportunity to come in and just do a great job. Yeah, a lot of the agencies we realized just, uh, for lack of a better word, just kind of seemed like they just didn't care. Sure. Like, it comes down to even as simple as communication. When we reply to, we, like, an average, you reply to our clients almost always within 30 minutes. And we've heard so many stories of companies saying that they've hired an agency and they don't hear from them for a week. And that just is beyond me. That's, you're paying, they're, they're giving you money to perform a service and work with them. And you can't get back to them for a full week. We see ourselves as an extension of all of our clients' team. So if we can't get back to this, I wouldn't expect an employee to take a week to get back to me. Why would you expect an agency that you're paying right. good money to? Wow. Yeah, it almost seems like um, the model that we're offering is we come on as a partner, right? So we're not just a service provider. We're not just a vendor. Uh, we work very closely and very intimately with people's internal teams like Troy mentioned. Uh, and I think that's kind of the, the, biggest, the biggest value prop there. Um, I mean, personally, coming from like, uh, you know, working in Fortune 100 companies and stuff like that, I've realized that people often focus on what I call vanity metrics, right? Like mm -hmm. things that actually don't matter right. um, in digital marketing. And we focus on just the bottom line, right? Yeah. You know, and it's like you mentioned earlier, we've all been there, right? We've all been there with our own companies on our last dollar trying to turn it into, yeah. you know, into success. Well, it's all, it's all sprinkles versus the ice cream. Yeah. It's like people people focus on sprinkles, the small little details that the metrics that that sound good or might be good if you don't if you don't really know what you're talking about. But if the ice cream's not good, if the core metrics, if the if the fundamentals of the business, the KPIs aren't healthy, then you're not really moving the needle anyway. Right. I I feel like, you know, I'm sitting at a table with three kind of superhuman genius type people. <laughs> how do you interview for this company? Like how do you get people who meet your I assume your standards are quite high it's funny we all have different styles <laughs> yeah uh, it's tough it's tough to I mean we, we've made mistakes um, unfortunately it's it's tough to know it's, I mean a lot of times people on paper aren't who they appear to be sure um, and it's kind of tough to be able to call that really quickly in a really short amount of what's, what's called an interview cycle yeah and to know if someone's going to be really good for the role. Yeah. Because last week we basically figured out what means good for the role. Right. So we, yeah. we don't necessarily need to hire superhumans. We need to hire people that are excellent at what they're going to be doing. Right. Um, and, you know, there's there's value in expertise. And sometimes we need to hire experts. And sometimes we need to hire uh, just like Swiss Army knives that can do anything. What are the kinds of products that uh, we can be looking for from Juice over the next couple of months, couple of years? 
Please. <laughs> I mean, there are a few things that that we are thinking about. Um, you know, definitely things that are kind of already in the works. Can't really talk about much, but sure. some stuff that we're toying with is, you know, figuring out how online retailers could uh, change pricing depending on you know, different visitors, right? If someone's more likely to buy, like how can they offer them a discount right away? Uh, um, you know, kind of to trigger sales. Interesting. Um, and mostly we're, we're really focused on automating the entire ad process, right? So instead of ha- having to have a marketer set everything up, like how can you have a system mm. do it and do it effectively? Not I mean, we call it juice because we can make the most puns out of the name. Ah, all right, let's hear some puns. We're worth the squeeze. There's one. Uh, what was the other one? Troy's You've the heard pun, it through the, the grape pun. That's two. I mean, sour grapes, even. Yeah. yeah, sour grapes, I'll count it. Three. Yeah, and also to, to talk to sour grapes for a second, we, uh, the idea was to make all of our products in a, in a fruit theme. Yeah. Ah, so, so sour grapes. We'll see how long juice, we're able to do that. Juice. Yeah. OJ. Well, that one maybe, runs Maybe into not soon. that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Too soon. But plenty of fruits to choose from. Coffee, coffee's a juice. Getting juiced. Coffee juice. could be a vegetable sometimes. Juicing the beans. Yeah. Juicing coffee. the beans. We'll get you fruitful results. Fruitful one. results. There we go. Hey, that's a good. That's a good way to end it. <laughs> yeah, we, we like to call it 100% organic USDA growth as a joke. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh. It's not all organic, but plays into it so oh, high c i feel like <laughs> but that's not juice that's zero like those are those are the imitation juices yeah, yeah. Oh, those wow. are the wannabes welch's <laughs> Some... they're from concentrate yeah not the same oh i guess well, or like the fresh squeeze you know fresh you buy squeeze, at whole yeah. foods yeah okay oh or you know like juice cleanse yeah exactly exactly we say this sometimes we put we uh when we onboard a client, we put them on the juice cleanse. We take them off all of the old, old agencies, agencies where it's like a hats and right. everything and onboard I us. I love that. The juice. A nice juice cleanse. You ever do a juice cleanse? Uh, I have not. Recommend it. Yeah. But again, you're the one with the viral tumbler, not me. <laughs> That's all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. We were talking with Juice. And if you have any advertising needs, I know that Juice is such a dedicated advertising agency. During our recording tonight, they were actually doing client work on their phones throughout the entire recording, and you can hardly tell. To learn more about Juice, check out thinkjuice.com. And if you have any thoughts, questions, or concerns about our podcast, shoot us an email at podcast at informationholdings.co.